0: Let's open our Bibles and our apps to Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. As I mentioned, uh, most of the time that I'm here, I always like to give the the message a title. Um, And today, the title that uh, was put on my heart was, The Beast of Times, the Worst of Times. So, a uh, little, little different from uh, how it's phrased in the world, but uh, the emphasis tonight is going to be on, on what the Lord is showing us here uh, concerning the beasts that are coming. And uh, a lot of you, if you're familiar with Revelation, you're going to see some similarities. But it's not quite the same time and not quite the same event. But uh, we'll see that as we go. And I just want to say, as we go along... We're going to be making reference to what's here, but what I like to do when I get a chance to teach, I like to give life application. This wasn't just for then. There are things that are similar that are happening right now. And for those who don't keep up with the news, Jesus is coming back soon. You might not have heard yet, but uh, it's quite obvious that uh, soon and very soon. So Daniel... Chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. And in this, many questions uh, must have come to Daniel's mind. How could all this fit into God's plan? And we can ask ourselves the same thing today with all the things that are going on. There are a lot of things that are going on that we don't understand. How can this fit into God's plan? And in this case, the plan was for the nation of Israel and the coming of the king in David's line. So today, that same king is coming. That same king from David's line is coming. That's what we need to grasp. And what we want to attempt to do is just create a sense of urgency. Not that you, know, you become afraid or fearful of the times but just that the time is short and we are put here for a purpose and the fact that you're still here means that there's work to be done so the thought that I want to plant in your mind is to be prayerful think about it Lord what would you have me to do it's all individual for everyone here he has a different purpose and just be sure and know that you know that you know that he knows you you know, we can say, well, I know the Lord, but does he know you? Him I know, her I know, but who are you? We don't want to hear that. We want to know that we have that personal relationship with him. How could God recover the scepter and restore the kingdom? And if we go back to uh, chapters in Daniel, chapters 4 and 5, it talked about the uh, multi-metallic age. In that age, in that image, there were four metals, So here are only four beasts. Four kingdoms bridge the gap between Nebuchadnezzar uh, down to the return of Christ. The fifth kingdom is the one which Christ was set up at his coming. Since there are only four kingdoms prior to Christ's return, it is obvious that the fourth kingdom must exist today. That fourth kingdom, if you read this, you'll, you'll see things that are going on today and it falls right in line with Christ coming back. Although presently dormant, this kingdom will make a final push for world dominance, which it will hold for a brief period. We'll talk about that later. The first kingdom of God was still in existence at the time of this writing. At the time that Daniel wrote this, that that kingdom was, was in existence. But it was drawn rapidly to a close. So we can see that today. We'll talk about that as we go. A kingdom that has been rich and fruitful in praising the Lord and basing our very lives around the things of God. And now it's dissipating. This is what happened here. And we'll, we'll make reference to Rome. Did Rome fail because of outside influence? No. Rome fell apart because of the inside stuff that was going on. And so if you look around and you pay close attention to a nation that's imploding as we speak. Just give that some thought. Daniel had been set aside during the reign of Belshazzar, but he had an opportunity to give more attention to the word of God and to writing. Uh, Verse 2, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. The four winds, um, in this case, broke violently upon the Mediterranean Sea, which is the largest body of water in that area. Typically, the wind blows from only one direction at a time, but here is a great tornado, and it has great violence. The winds speak of agitation, propaganda, public opinion, and disturbance. Is that going on today? Do we see agitation? Do we see propaganda? Do we see public opinion, and do we see disturbance? I'm going to say yes. And the sea, the Mediterranean Sea in this case, suggests the masses of the mob and peoples. And, and th- this, this time refers to the disturbed conditions out of which these four nations arose. They took advantage of the fact that they created chaos on the outside. and It affected us on the inside. Is that going on today? All this strife, all these things that the world... Social media has us thinking about a lot of those things are on the outside. And then we bring them in into our hearts, into our minds, into our very lives. And so that's what happened here and that's what's happening now. So that life application is to look around. Can you see any similarities to what happened then and what's happening now? Certain ideals Idealists strive to capture the thinking of the disturbed masses of all nations and tribes. Certain ideologies want to capture the thoughts. They want to put these thoughts in our heads and our minds to distract us from what we really should be focused on. Rather than being focused on the Lord, we're focused on the hottest topic on social media. That's what the enemy wants. I don't want you to think about praying, seeking the Lord for everything I want you to think about all these things that are happening, all these atrocities, nation against nation. And the Lord has already uh, warned us that these things are going to take place. Yet we're surprised when it does happen. I can't believe that they're attacking that nation. Read Ezekiel. Read Acts. Read Revelation. Read the word of God and you'll see... That these things, not just, they weren't just told to us, they were actually promised to us. These things are going to happen. This nation that's so high and mighty has to be brought down low in order for the things that I've already proclaimed to you in my word to happen. And we're seeing those things. We're seeing them even now. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the power of your mind. The social media would differ with us in saying that. They want to to tell us how to think, what to think, when to think, who to trust, who not to trust. There's only one high and lofty one that we can trust. Read the word and find out who that is. And in Matthew 13, 47 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. And as we see these four winds breaking violently, the idea is to catch us in that net of deceit. And you've heard me say it 26 times, the problem with deception is you don't know you're being deceived. That's what we're subjected to even now. Well, I didn't know this was going on. I didn't know this is where we were going, but that's how deception works. That's the whole idea. I want to lull you into thinking the way I want you to think. And then when it gets to the point of no return, what was I thinking? The idea of that enemy, our enemy, our adversary, is to cause it where you're not thinking. And for those of us who are familiar with this, there are certain religious systems that practice that. We don't want you to think. You ask us and we'll tell you what to think. We'll tell you what that word says, what that word means. And we fall into that and we find ourselves way off track. Now we're not, our hearts are not lined up with what the Lord would have us to do. Be careful with that. Revelation 13:1 says, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and 10 horns and on his horns uh, 10 crowns and on the heads of blasphemous names. The enemy is a blasphemer. That Antichrist is a blasphemer. We're going to talk about that a little bit more before we're done tonight. How that Antichrist is going to come in and going to do the right things, going to say the right things. And then the next thing we know we've been drawn in. We're accepting this as how we should live, how we should think. They're going to have complete control over us, if allowed. Is anyone immune to that? The answer is, according to the word of God, it says even the elect, if possible. So that includes you and me. If possible, we can be drawn into this net of deception. Well, brother, I'm really grounded in the word of God. There's no way they'll ever pull me in. Eh, Don't be so sure about that. And, And I don't want to make it sound like you're defeated. You're not. There's always hope in Christ. But sometimes we get away from what he has for us. And we start to follow the world because it's brighter and shinier and faster and more lucrative than what we're used to, so we want to follow that. Everybody's doing it. That was okay to say when you were in seventh grade, but now we got to get beyond that. Everybody's doing it doesn't make it okay. And we've got the enemy of our soul working every day to detain us And keep us away from the things of God. Our entire society is headed in that direction. And we all can see that. If your eyes open, if your heart's open, you can see that. Where are you leading us? We don't know, but we'll follow. Because we believe that you're doing the right thing, Mr. or Mrs. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Isaiah 5720 says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Nasty stuff. Not good. Not pure, clean water. Mire and dirt. That's what it casts up. So that's what we're going to subject it to. So as a result of uh, allowing that those dirty waters to be imputed into us, our heart changes. Now our hearts become dirty. We, we can... Cave into the world that's calling good evil and evil good. We're caving in, and I, I, I I gotta say this because typically when I say these types of things, I'm not indicating what you should do about this except pray. Pray. That concerns all of us. What do you do? What do I do? What do I do? When my child is in a school that's teaching kindergartners sex education, what do I do about that, brother? Pray about it. What do I do when uh, the, the teacher is confusing my son and daughter by them not knowing what gender they are? What do I do about that, brother? You pray about that. And then seek the Lord. What, what would you have me to do as individual? And don't do, Don't try and follow the, the maddening crowd because you are subjected to a mob mentality. I'm just going to do it because everybody else is doing it. What would he have you to do? And so that's not saying we all should do this. We should all go out and, and beat some heads. We should all go out and carry some picket signs. That's not what I'm indicating. I'm saying be prayerful. Prayer, prayer changes things. And if there's something that's out of order, you know it's out of order? Pray about it. And pray from the heart, not just words, not just uh, ranting, vain repetition. Pray, pray, pray. Revelation 17, 1 and 15 says, Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of of uh, the great harlot who sits on many waters. fifteen, uh, s- uh, Revelation 7, 15 says, then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That includes all of us. No exceptions. Is God a respect of persons? I think this sort of indicates that. Peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That's us. Verse 3. And four beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. And these beasts that came up from the sea represent kingdoms formed out of many peoples, tongues, tribes, and nations. Since the visions of the four metals in chapter 2 and four beasts in chapter 7 are identical, they must be considered together. I'm just going to give you this. Uh, This is... Might be kind of hard to jot down, but uh, if you want to see this later, I can show you what, what I was able to put together, thank God. In, in the image in chapter two, there, these beasts, and they were designated. Uh, the first one uh, was a head of gold, which was a lion, and it represented Babylon. The second one was arms of silver, which was a bear, and it represented Media Persia. The third one was size of brass, and it represented a panther or leopard, and it was Greco-Macedonia. And the fourth, uh, fourth one, rather, was legs of iron and feet of iron and clay, and that is considered a composite beast made up of different metals and some not metals, Uh, that clay, and that is Rome. Now, we're going to find, as we go through this, I really don't know how far we're going to get because there's so much here, but uh, a lot of this emphasis is going to be placed on Rome and the fact that how Rome survived those times. All the others fell. Rome never fell. Rome never died. Rome got conquered, but they came back stronger than before. And if you look at the, the beastly characteristics of that, you'll get some understanding of why Rome was able to survive as opposed to the others. Although four beasts are different from each other, they are all beastly and carnivorous in nature. Their natural tendency is to conquer and devour. Now it talks about the enemy of our soul who wants to conquer and devour. So there may be some some persuasion from the enemy, our adversary, that is behind these. And when we talk about wrestling against flesh and blood, we don't. And this is what we're wrestling against now. The enemy with the tendency is to conquer and devour. Verse 4. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Now, for those who've been uh, with us since I've been teaching through Daniel, a lot of this goes back to uh, some of the earlier chapters in Daniel uh, verses excuse me, verses in Daniel, where it talks about. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, where he was taken out of action for uh, seven years and made to basically live life as a, a beast with, the, uh, with the, the animals, eating grass, getting his, his body s- uh, spread with dew, uh, just living outside and just, just a wild beast. And so some of this makes reference to that, but unfortunately we don't have the time to recap in, uh, in this case, the lion with eagle's wings represents Babylon, and the line corresponds to the head of gold that was in uh, earlier in Daniel. In particular, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and it was intended as verse 17 declares that the beasts represent the four kings. Eagle's wings, in this case, denotes the quickness with which Nebuchadnezzar moved his army and his power to strike suddenly. The plucking of his wings referred to humbling a Nebuchadnezzar in his mental lapse and his loss of identity. Nebuchadnezzar lost his identity from being a king to being a mere beast in the true sense of the word. Grazing in the grass, going from a king to an oxen, literally. While the head of gold represented the outward glory, the cruel nature of the beast described the brutal paganism of this kingdom as described in Daniel chapters 2 and 3. They had so many gods and they had a God for everything so the paganism was running rampant to the point where the kings did not want to hear from Daniel. We're not going to have you in my kingdom if you're going to be talking this God stuff. Some of you hear that today. You know, you take your Jesus and get out of here. You Bible thumpers, you whatever they call us. I'm sure some of you heard names that we don't even want to mention here. But that's what's happening. That's what happened then and that's what's happening now. So he, they didn't want to hear from Daniel until there was a need. And some of you, especially in the workforce, how the, the, your coworkers don't want to have anything to do with you. But when the trials come, Hey, brother, hey, sister, can you pray with me? Some of you have heard this before. You don't even speak to me. But now that they know that there's a godly influence, they can see or probably sense the godly influence now. Can you pray with me? Can you pray for me? So this is what happened with Daniel. They put him on the shelf because of his godly beliefs. And they tried to have his life taken away back in verse 6. And the time in the lion's den. They had, had his life taken, but God, but God was with him. So he was able to come through it. Always hope in God. Always. You always got a chance. There's always a way out. He always provides a way out. If it's his will. Verse 5. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it had raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said, thus to it, arise, devour much flesh, carnivorous beasts, devour and destroy. The bear, representing Medo-Persia, correspond with the arms of silver. As the bear raised itself up on one side, this image was ambidextrous. And that has a lot of meaning because these two kingdoms were split. The Medians and the Persians were split, but they were equally deadly. So the Medes would strike from this side, Persia would strike from this side. You're done. First he struck with the strong left hand of the Medes, then followed through with the upper deadly right hand of Persia. Persia stayed in the fight, Until the final destruction of the empire, the three ribs in his mouth speaks of the three kingdoms that formed the the empire, Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt. Those were the three ribs. That represented the three ribs that it had in his mouth. Though there were no wings on the bear, it was told to arise and devour much flesh. This great lumbering bear is a picture of massive, deadly, slow-moving forces. That's what it was, and that usually represents a, a nation that's large, just massive, and that's what the bear represented in this case. Verse 6 After this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, or that can be interpreted panther, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And this leopard which can be translated as panther, leaps with suddenness upon his prey and represents the Greco-Macedonian empire of Alexander the Great. And for you uh, historians out there, you know that this man was a a ferocious ruler and everything that his armies did was quick and deadly. And so that's what this this leopard or this panther represents in this text, in this context. Four wings highlight the ability of an army to move rapidly and strike suddenly. Strong nations which have gained world dominion have developed the ability to move and strike with great speed. We have two nations out there today that move and strike with great speed. Don't have to name names, but they're there. And they, they're, they're, their forces are deadly. When they decide to strike, they strike. The four heads represent the division of Alexander's empire at the time of his death, which occurred when he was 35 years old. How did Alexander die? He died as an alcoholic. Alexander the Great died as an alcoholic. Alcohol took his life. Though he was able to conquer the world, he could not conquer himself and he could not conquer his area of sin. How are we doing with our area of sin? I struggle with mine daily. And I pray that you don't have the same issues. We all have an area of sin just by the fact that you're wrapped in flesh. The question is, how are you doing with it? Richard, are you praying? Yes, I am. Are you seeking the Lord's face every day? Yes, I am. So why are you struggling? (sighs) He said to Paul about that throne throne of flesh, your grace is sufficient. So he's using that to motivate me. He's using that to keep me grounded. I don't know about yours, but I know that All the things that he's doing through this are for the good. I know that sounds contradictory, but he's using this thorn in the flesh in my life to keep me grounded. He's given me a servant's heart and there's nothing you can do about it. Your desire is to serve. My desire is to serve. And there are times when it doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do. So, Richard struggles. How can you struggle if the Lord's calling you to serve? Therein lies the question. Does the Lord want you to say yes to everything? Or does he want you to say no to some things? And that's the issue for me. How about you? What do you struggle with? What is your area of sin? How are you doing with it? Is that area of sin an idol for you? Lord knows. But he's got a plan even through that. So it's always good to surrender to what he's calling you to. Is there a cost associated with that? You bet. But he knows, he knows the best plan for you and not and for me. So the things that he's doing in your life and in my life, we pray that it's for his good. And we pray that we are walking the path that he set before us. Pray. Today, those wings that are that allow them to strike uh, with great speed. Are represented by the buildup of missiles, which have the ability to move and strike suddenly. Rather than the wings of those beasts, now we have missiles. Now we have missile buildup that allow them to strike suddenly and quickly. The potential is there, and the Lord is the only thing that's holding them at bay right now. The only thing. We have men and women. They have no fear. They're willing to sacrifice their nation, their country for the sake of potential world dominance. Be in prayer. And here the foreheads represents the vision of, uh, of, uh, of Alexander the Great. And he started off sucking out of the bottle and the bottle ended up sucking out of him. In his case, it was alcoholism. What is causing our body to erode? Sin, what's sin? There's so many areas that we can go into. His just happened to be that. Are we trying to conquer the world? Mark 8.36 reads, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It happened to Alexander, the great, and it could happen to us, the common. Alexander's four generals divided the kingdom as follows. Cassander took Macedonia, Lysimachus took Asia Minor. Seleucus took Syria, out of which came the little horn, as described in verse 8. And t- Ptolemy took Egypt. Scripture shows us that the kingdom fell chronologically between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was a time when the remnant in Palestine endured the greatest suffering at the hands of Egypt and Syria. What is the United States? Who is the United States suffering at the hands of right now? And if you, you read the word, and you'll see the, the, the uh, chain of events that occurred, how, we, how can we control these people? Let's take away their source of water. Let's take away their source of food. Let's mis- miseducate their children, the young people. Let us detract them from the things of the world, uh, from the things of the Lord, and think about the things of the world. This happened throughout history. Those were the approaches that were taken. Where's our water source now? Where's our food source primarily now? Where's our food coming from? What are our children being taught? How much time do we spend reading the Word or checking out social media? All factors, my friends. Think about it. It was a time when the remnant Palestine endured the greatest sufferings at the hands of Egypt and Syria. Are we suffering? That's subjective. You say no, you say yes. Writings on the wall, as we talked about in Daniel 6. Verse 7, after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It has huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. This is the one beast that we're going to focus on a little bit more throughout this, depending on how far we get. The fourth beast was divided into, uh, divided from the other three as a separate vision. While the other three beasts had counterparts in the jungle, the woods of the zoo, the fourth beast had not been seen on land, on sea or in the air. Nothing that we could imagine, and we we talk about in Revelation, like this or like that. And with this particular beast, there's no like. It's something that we've never seen before. You can picture a leopard, a panther, you can picture a bear, you can picture an eagle. How do you picture this fourth beast? It's a composite. What does it look like? What are his habits? Uh, it's a carnivore. It's ferocious. Its mission is to destroy. But what is it? Described as dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong, this beast incited dread and terror. It was like no other beast that preceded it. Its iron teeth, which is identified as Rome, the legs of iron are the image vision. The iron heel of Rome was on the neck of the world for an entire millennium. That's a long time. Rome had his neck. its neck, it's, it's, uh, it's, its heel on the neck of the world for an entire millennium. The beast had ten horns which were similar to the feet of the image with ten toes. The vision of the four beasts has been fulfilled. There remains for the future the time of the horns. The other beasts have been taken out, except for this one, except for Rome. Verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. And he mouth speaking pompous words. Notice that the ten horns did not represent a fifth kingdom. But grow out of the head of the fourth beast and are a last development of the fourth beast. Rome did not disappear. Rome was not destroyed. Rome is the only one of the four that has not been destroyed and conquered by a greater power. Rome fell apart because of internal corruption and extreme sinfulness. Can we think of a nation that we can picture that might be there now? Hmm. Internal corruption and extreme sinfulness. What comes to mind? Verse 9. I watch Till thrones, thorns were put in place. Thrones were put in place, and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels of burning fire. Now there's a shift here. We're getting away from the beasts. We're going into scenes of visions of heaven. And the scene shifts to heaven where the throne of God is revealed. This is possibly the same scene as described in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. It is preparation for the judgment of the great tribulation and the second coming of the Christ to the earth. Revelation 4.4 says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothes in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And in Daniel's vision, he was not concerned about the details that appear in Revelation. His subject did not include the church and its future. Daniel made no reference to the church and its future. He talked about what was happening, what he envisioned in heaven, and it really wasn't about us. And the reason for that is during this time, during this era, Daniel was focused on Israel. Nothing more. Nothing at less and nothing else, just Israel. But I want to challenge us to look at how Israel responded to the word of God. How Israel responded to the coming of the Messiah. How Israel either acknowledges or not today. And you can't see much difference there between Israel and this nation. Hmm. In this, in this, uh, this verse, verse nine, the Ancient of Days is the Eternal God, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. The garment white as snow refers to His attributes of holiness and righteousness. The hair of his head was like pure wool, which speaks of his infinite wisdom. And the throne was a fiery flame talks of judgment as in Revelation 4, 5. Revelation 4, 5 says, and from the throne proceeded lightning, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And in this same verse, Wheels wheels of burning fire means God's resistless energy and restless power. He never stops, never rests, never gives up. He never throws you away. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says. Can you believe it? Do you believe it? Will you believe it? I will never leave you. But brother, I'm really, really struggling really bad. You know, and, and I can think of a time in my life when those moments came and I would go to the Lord saying, Lord, my cup is empty, will you fill it? And he did, without hesitation. But I'm finding as I grow, as I mature, that I can go to the Lord, not with a cup, but with a bucket. And he fills it with the same fervency same mindset, without hesitation. I will give you what you need. And he has not deviated from that one bit. He did it then. He's doing it now. And he will continue to do it. He does it for you and you and you. And he will continue to do that. Only believe. Is it that simple? The gospel is very simple. Only believe. Challenging because they start thinking about things like obedience. Ooh. Don't want to talk about that. Faithfulness. Trust. Ezekiel 1 Uh, 13 to 31. This is lengthy, so just bear with me. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth besides each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of a barrel and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their working was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Wait a minute. A wheel in the middle of a wheel? What's that about? Read it. Read Ezekiel chapter 1 and see if you can get some understanding of what that really means. There's a lot of significance to it, but you got to understand it. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give you uh, an understanding of what that really means. Ezekiel chapter 1. Continue. When they moved, they went towards any one of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, because the spirit there the spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, they went. When those stood, these st- they stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Wow, that's pretty uh, pretty scary stuff, man. You know, not very encouraged right now, my brother. Come on, give us some good stuff, man. Verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Now, just so there's uh, no misunderstanding, this is not the great white throne ju- judgment. For those who don't understand that, that statement, just remember, this is not the great white throne judgment which occurs after the millennium, but is a setting for the judgment of the great tribulation and return of Christ to establish his millennial kingdom upon the earth. Now, I know I just lost a whole bunch of folks with that statement. I know it, but check it out. Uh, Revelation 5, 11 through 14 says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, "'Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, "'Blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever.'" Then the four living creatures said, "'Amen.'" And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. Who's worthy? Anybody worthy? Is he worthy? You bet. Absolutely. Actually, we count on it. He's worthy. Verse 11. I watched them because of the sound of the pompous words which a horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And while God is setting the judgment scene, uh, these things are occurring. Revelation thirteen five, 6, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And the emphasis on this kingdom represented by the last beast is not on the beginning, but on its end. The appearance of the little horn is shortly before Christ comes to judge living nations and individuals. This period is the same as the Great Tribulation. Verse 12, as for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Uh, Though the first three beasts were destroyed, the ideas and philosophy of the kingdoms they represented lives on and will be manifested in this great tribulation. I will not have this man to rule over me. You would think that, how dare they? But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There are some who just says, you can go to heaven if you want. I'm not going. Don't want to know anything about it. Hard for some of us to comprehend that that some will still have that mindset. But that's why we have what we have today. We have people that are rallying against God. No thank you. I've heard some good things, but it's not worth the cost that I got to pay. So, I'm just going to go to the other side and party with my friends. Nonsense, but we've heard it. Verse 12. Okay. 13. Uh, Verse 13. I was watching in the night vision, and behold one like the, like the Son of, of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. The Son of God in heaven is on the scene and has invested in him the authority to take the kingdom of this world from the Gentiles and establish his kingdom. Jesus refers to a familiar passage which he was put on earth at his trial before the Sanhedrin. And I believe uh, all of us who have been going to church for a month have probably heard this one. It's in Mark 14, 61 to 62. But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the son of man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Are you the son of heaven? This is a moment when Christ take the seven sealed book, thus fulfilling the prophecy made at his birth. And this prophecy came from Revelations 5, 1 through 7. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose his seal? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth were able to open the scroll. Anybody worthy? So I kept much. I wept much, excuse me. Because no one, no one was able to open those scrolls. So when, when, uh, when Jesus came back, is coming back, there's going to be, hmm. it's just hard to imagine. I just can't imagine. I just. It's hard for me personally to imagine knowing how good he is to not want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I get to encounter people, I won't say on a daily basis, on a regular basis, who don't want to hear it. Hey, that works for you. I tried it back in 1984. It just didn't work out for me. So I'm happy with my life. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anything. Well, let's pray for you, brother. No, I'm I'm prayed up. I prayed last week. I'm I'm okay. And that's what we kind of. That's what we contend with. We contend with that type of thinking. And it it breaks your heart. It grieves the spirit. For someone to have no concern for the things of God. Is it easy? No. Is it profitable? You be the judge. No one was found worthy to open and read the scroll. Or to look at it, but one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, with the seven spirits of God sent out into, the, into all the earth. Then life then he came and took the scrolls out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne and we're going to finish with uh, verse 14 to be continued sometime in the near future I hope verse 14 then to him he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him all peoples Nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which should not be destroyed, will not be destroyed, shall not be destroyed, cannot be destroyed. And this prepares a way for the coming of Christ and the smashing of the image by the stone cut out without hands. Revelation 20 Verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Micah 4.2 states, Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and he shall walk and, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, the law shall go forth and the word of, Jesus, of, of the Lord from Jerusalem. He's calling us. Come and see. Come and see. I've got something here that's better than anything that you know. Trust me. I pray that you would trust him. I pray that if there's anyone here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night of salvation. If you don't know him, bear in mind, you're not guaranteed anything from this point on. Well, it's not a convenient time for me. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll give my life to Christ tomorrow. Many have said that. And the unfortunate part is they never saw tomorrow. Don't want to sound morbid, but he has not guaranteed you or me the next breath. So if you're here tonight and you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, one or the other, not good enough, my friends. I accept him as my Lord, but I'm still working on this Savior thing. I accept him as my Savior, but I'm still working on this Lord thing because that requires too much from me. It takes away some of my fun stuff. It takes away some of the things. that Yeah, I got idols, and I'm not really ready to give them up yet. So I'll accept one but not the other. I'm working on it, my friends. I'm working on it, brother. Tonight, make tonight. If you haven't, you don't have to come running. Come on up and ask. There's pastors, there's elders, there's lay people who are willing to pray with you, for you. Just ask, what must I do to be saved? And I'm at a point now where I don't take anything for granted. But brother, it's obvious that everyone in here goes to church on a regular basis. So naturally, they're all Christians. No. Not true. So if you don't know for sure that you're in good standing with the Lord, make sure that you know before you walk out of this building tonight. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for... uh, Have you blessed us well beyond measure one more time, Lord. And I thank you for my friends. I thank you for their willingness to keep their eyes, ears, and heart open to receive what you have for us tonight, Father. And I just pray that if I've said even one word that discouraged my sister or my brother, Father, that you would just eliminate it or delete it from my mind right now. So I pray, Father, if there were any words of encouragement, that you would highlight those, Father, and enlarge their hearts so they can receive more of you. And I pray the same for myself. Selfishly, I pray that you would just continue to work in me, Father. We all have those shortcomings, but you know them. You know what we struggle against. You know what our idols are. You know the things that cause us to fall. You also know the things that cause us to rise. So, Father, I pray that you would work in each and every one of us to be about your business and to not look forward to tomorrow by doing great things but tonight would be the night i pray that we would continue to seek you in every way father and i pray that our prayers would be that you would have your way in our lives in every way so we give praise and honor to the only one who is worthy to be praised our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys.